Hello, and welcome to Sharp, the podcast where we help you get a little better at the stuff you have to do, so you can spend more time doing the stuff you want to do. So now, on with the episode. Hi there, and welcome to episode 31. Now, if you're a first-time listener, welcome, it's great to have you. But this episode comes with a bit of a warning, because this this might not be the best episode to start on. In the past few weeks, we've been sharing some compilations of subjects that could help you become a sharper version of you next year. So if you have just joined us, it might be worth going back and having a look at the last three episodes, where we looked at routines and we covered goals and habits. Or you could go even further back into the archive to find out about those subjects and many more in more detail. In this final episode of the year, as we're approaching the holiday break for many, we thought it might be time to dial down the practical, dial up the nonsense, and look at a character who has definitely changed over 2017, although maybe not for the better. So please park any expectations of common sense or practical benefit at the door as we sit back and enjoy, endure, enjoy the evolution of a character that we've come to know as Steve in the field. Hello, it's Steve in the studio here. Do I have to do this? Okay, well, it's my job to help guide you through this maze of gobbledygook from this Steve in the field character. But first, let's talk about our relationship. You see, you might think that from the way I talk about him that I've got no time for him. And it wasn't always like that. I did have time for him at first. When we first started the podcast, this bloke, who I don't know from Adam, start sending in contributions and at first they sounded okay he wanted to help and his stuff was well it was it was just that it was okay in fact we used one of his early recordings way back in episode one when we were first starting to talk about podcasts so i'm sitting here in traffic on the motorway which is not unusual i'm on my way to a meeting but i've got a couple of hours to go I've called all my team, hands-free, obviously, uh, so I've got no one I need to ring. I can't read email, not legally, and of course, I can't read or send text. So I've got a number of options. I can listen to the radio. I quite like listening to talk radio. I could sing, uh, but don't worry, I won't do that with you. Um, Or I could listen to some podcasts. I've got some downloaded on my phone, and my phone's already connected hands-free via Bluetooth, so I can do that safely. And uh, I'm going to play the next episode of Michael Hyatt um, to get some inspiration ready for when I get to my destination. Before I do that, two quick tips from the road. Um, My first tip is put your episodes in your playlist before you set off. So if you get the opportunity to listen to some on the road, you can do that seamlessly without having to pull over or find an episode, obviously, or or risk temptation of, of going onto your phone whilst you're driving, which clearly you don't want to be doing. The second tip, which I find really useful, if you hear something in the podcast that you want to make a note of, obviously you can't write it down and you don't want to be touching your phone. So call yourself hands-free. You can either phone, if you've got an office landline, you can phone that or phone your own mobile and then leave a message with a reminder to go back later. So once you're out of the car, you can go back and either research that point that you wanted to make a note of yourself or re-listen to that part of the podcast. 
So that's my top tip for on the road. And uh, that's enough from the car. So now I'm going to listen to some Michael Hyatt. So you're probably thinking, like we were at the time, this bloke sounds all right. They're pretty good contributions. He sounds helpful. Let's let him carry on sending us stuff. The next thing we had was an interview of someone's kids about social media. But it was okay, and it helped episode two. What do you think about Facebook? Facebook. What do you think about it? Do you you use Facebook? No. Um, Why don't you use it? Not many people are on it anymore. What, not many people of your age range? Well, none of my friends use it, so there's not really any point. Okay, and what do your friends use? Uh, Skype. Yeah. Any other sort of social media platforms that they use? I don't think so. No? Okay. What do you think of Facebook? I don't know, I've never been on it. You've never been on it? No. Do your friends use Facebook? Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. What do they use instead? Like Instagram and Snapchat. Is Facebook like a bit lame in that? Yeah. Is it just for old people? No, not really. What, do old people not even use it? No, because they probably don't know how to use it. They don't know how to use it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. But then it started to go a bit odd. He didn't really seem to be thinking about what he was doing and we started talking about me and how I did the podcast. Not offensive stuff, but just, well, just a bit disrespectful. Listen to how he talks about what's going on around him here, as if everything he comes across is a surprise. You know, say what you see, Steve, in the field. Steve, can I just stop you there? You're covering an awful lot of stuff, and I do worry about you spending time stuck in that studio, so I've decided that we should go outside for a bit. Get a bit of fresh air, a bit of sun. You see... This stuff about social media is interesting and it's really useful. But you have to remember to take your own advice and don't let it all become all-consuming. And you have spent quite a lot of time talking about quite a lot of stuff. So just give yourself a break, a bit of fresh air, a bit of a ramble in the countryside, listen to the birds, Think about maybe recording the sound of the birds because you're going to do something on Twitter later. Make bad jokes. Just generally walk around. Pay attention to cars. Remember that you haven't got your distance glasses on. You've still got your close-up glasses. And when the cars have gone away, you can walk along talking to yourself, not looking like in any way, shape or form, are you slightly unhinged. Maybe a little bit. But, you know, this is the area that I'm from. People around here won't notice. What's that? It's a tractor.
actually, what with cars and tractors, it's turning out to be a bit of a death trap out here. Maybe the comfort and security of the studio is the best place to be at the moment. What were you saying about pages? So he obviously wanted to be our roving reporter. So we let him. We said, go and interview some people in the street about LinkedIn, because we were going to cover that subject in an upcoming episode. So we told him to go and find some people and to talk to them about it. Now, obviously, hindsight is 2020 vision, because the signs were already there. Have a listen to his inability to actually do anything with the person at the end who does want to talk to him. It's like, I've got someone, and now I don't know what to do with them. Excuse me, can you tell me, do you use LinkedIn? Yes, I do. And what do you use it for? Networking. OK, brilliant. Thank you very much. Excuse me, sorry to bother you. Um, do you use LinkedIn? Oh, yes, I, I do. I use it um, quite extensively. Oh, fantastic. Um, can you tell me what you use it for, please? Uh, I mainly go on there and point out to people that it's not Facebook. Right, OK. Um, thank you. Excuse me, sorry to bother you. Can you tell me if you use the social media platform LinkedIn? Sorry, mate, I don't know what you're talking about. OK, um, sorry, thank you. Excuse me, do you use LinkedIn? What's that then, what's that? It's a social media platform. It's like Facebook. Oh, yeah, yeah, use Facebook. Right, OK, do you use LinkedIn? No, mate, I've never heard of it. Hello there, um... Sorry to bother you, I can see you're shopping. Um, just really quickly, do you use LinkedIn? Yes. Great. Bye-bye. <laughs> now at this point, he started going a bit weird. The stuff he was sending in was, well, what would you do with things like, why the woman who works at my local council is really a goblin? A monologue on why I think you should have a license to put up pictures of cats on social media and interview techniques using gastromancy, which, if you don't know, is the art of telling the future via the medium of sounds from your belly. Anyway, obviously they all went in the bin. But then we got one called books, and that was part of a subject that we covered in episode 7. Now, admittedly, we did only listen to the first bit. We decided to include it. Probably should have listened all the way through. You know, one of the great things about actual books is that they don't rely on power, a Wi-Fi signal, you don't need a Bluetooth connection, you don't need anything, nothing stopping you from just sitting down and getting into them and enjoying yourself. And I love the fact that you can dog-ear the pages, you can just, you know, go back five pages if you want to, you can write in them with a pencil. Now, as you know, I'm a massive fan of podcasts and apps and technology, making technology work for us, but I also love just sitting down with an actual paper book and reading it. There's something warm and tactile about it. I'm, I'm currently walking through the countryside and there's no Wi-Fi signal here. My phone's just about to run out of battery, but I can sit down anywhere with my book and enjoy it. I probably don't want to sit there because there's a huge cow pat there, but you know, you, you get the idea. Okay, I don't actually have a book on me, but if I did, I could sit anywhere and read it. 
In fact, I'm going to go back home now and grab it. I'm currently reading a book by a bloke called Arthur Richards, and it's called How to Remember Things. Did I just turn left there or right? And then we didn't hear from him for a few weeks. And then in episode 10, he sent this weird piece that he was trying not only to talk to me, but it was a bit like, you know, the single white female plot. He'd convinced himself that he was me and he was blaming me for what was going wrong in his world. Turn the sound down. I can't stand his voice. So, Steve, you know you send me outside to do these, these outside broadcast bits, with the idea being to, to give the listener a bit of texture in the podcast, a bit of break from just studio you. And you know that you don't pay me to do it, but you do expect me to use relatively good quality equipment to get a decent recording. Now, none of those things are a problem. They're really not. But you do know that you and I are the same person, don't you? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm happy to create this illusion that we're two different people, so long as we know that it's just us. I mean, just me. Because this time, you told me to go out and have a walk to illustrate this idea of, you know, going for a walk and clearing your mind and having ideas. But the problem is, I haven't had any ideas. And the thing is, that is your fault, that's not mine. You can't blame me, because it is your fault that I haven't had a good idea. And just as long as we're straight on that, that's all. Anyway, that's it. I'll see you in a minute. Um, do you want me to bring anything in? Same person? What's he talking about? Now, not long after, we received a recording called Shower. You can imagine that we were a little bit concerned when we began listening to it, but when we listened, it was actually useful. And we used it in the episode where we cover where our minds go when we're in the shower. I guess given what we know now, a recording called Shower could have been a lot worse. Why did I say that? Next time I'm going to say something different. I'm definitely going to say something different next time, if it happens again. I wonder what she thinks. Where's the cat gone? Oh, bolognese for dinner tonight, I think. I must get some petrol. Hope it's not rainy today. I'm always in a bad mood when it's raining. What's the time? He did a few pieces for episodes 12 and 13, but we couldn't really rely on him. He was all over the place. So we decided it was time to bring him into the office and give him a good talking to. I told him to stop being silly and that if he wants to carry on making a contribution, he can, but it needs to be useful. It needs to be relevant and he needs to stop taking the mickey. Now, the contribution that he sent that we used in episode 14, it, it looked like, well, it looked like he was capable. It almost, it nearly almost all made sense. If you ask me, I reckon he got someone else to write it. Well, Steve, a bloke called Adam Smith wrote a book in 1776, which was called The Wealth of Nations. Now, Adam, who was a Scot born in Kirkcaldy in 1723, was an economist, a philosopher, and an author. This book that he wrote was about economics, and it was set. So, amazing. It was accurate. 
it was factual, and it was actually relevant. Well done, Steve, in the field. And the next two episodes were okay as well. And I suppose if I'm honest, we did start to think that he'd really turned a corner. He did a piece on what happens to your brain when you read email. Oh, who's this from? Jack Newman. Um, I'll just put my sandwich down and have a look at this. Dear Steve. Attention. This is your brain. Yeah, hello. Uh, I just wanted to make sure that you hadn't forgotten that it's your mum's birthday party on Friday and you still need to decide what you're going to get for a gift. Thank you. I've reviewed the plans for the new structure. Hello again. What are you doing exactly with this email? I'm not sure if you should read it all now. You do have 999 other emails in your inbox and a meeting to go to in 10 minutes and you haven't finished your sandwich yet. Just checking. Bye. If the building fills beyond 70% capacity. Yeah, Lucy is still waiting to hear from you about lending her the marquee on Friday. And also, Tina in accounts keeps looking at you. And in episode 16 on Evernote, he was pretty good. He showed how you can use it in the street. I'm walking from a car park to a meeting that I'm going to. It's a bit windy. I'm out in the street, so it's not the sort of place that I can easily get a notebook out on. And, and I suddenly remember that I need to think about preparing some handouts for tomorrow's meeting. Well, all I need to do is just pull out my phone. I press one button, which is the microphone button on my Evernote taskbar. In the same episode, he showed us how photographers and filmmakers can use Evernote to record the locations they're at. So let's say you're a photographer or you're a filmmaker or you're someone that you're always on the lookout for interesting locations or views and you've gone out to meet some friends and you find yourself somewhere that you definitely want to come back to later with your camera and do some proper photography but you're not quite sure where you are and you haven't got a lot of time so all I need to do is quickly whip my phone out I take a picture of the view or the area that I want to come back to, you know, capturing the rough idea of what inspires me. Take that picture in Evernote, and Evernote will not only put that picture in my inbox, but it will automatically give that picture a title, which is the name of the place that I'm at. And he also showed us how useful Evernote can be at a network or a business meeting. Now this bit's really cool. I'm at a networking event, and there's loads of people here that are keen to give me their business cards. Now that's all right if I'm only going to get one or two. But if you get 10 or 15, you've got to carry them around, you've got to get back home, sort them out, decide which ones you want to follow up on, and or worse, you throw them away, which, you know, in these environmentally friendly times, that's not really very sustainable activity, is it? Well, not with Evernote, because all you have to do is you ask the person to lend you their card, you take a photo of it in Evernote, and it automatically detects that it's a... All right, so... Fair enough. He is now at this point sending in good stuff. Stuff that helps the subject. Happy days. It was all going all right. Uh, We didn't use him for a couple of episodes after this because one was an interview and the next one was the first one in a series of goals. And then this happened. I told you you wouldn't be able to keep it up. Steve. It's Steve outside in the field. 
I don't know if you remember, but you left me out here weeks ago. Last time we spoke, you said that you were going to let me have a section on the podcast every episode. Well, I feel let down. I feel abandoned. I feel like I'm not achieving my goals. And before you tell me more about apps, I don't like apps. I like paper. I like writing things with a pen. When are you going to share stuff that I might like? So we had another meeting and we agreed that we'd commit to a minimum contribution. We thought we'd give him a chance, but we decided to put a bit more structure around what he does. I loaned in some decent gear to improve the quality of his recordings. And, you know, we decided, okay, let's give the guy a chance. After all, he is doing his bit. The last few were pretty good, so let's give him some support. We agreed for episode 22 that he could have three slots to support the subject of sleep. He agreed to go and do extensive research on sleeping in general, the development of the sleeping bag, and where the concept of the Sandman character came from. Great, we thought. Simple stuff. He's happy. We're happy. Off he went, and he promised not to let us down. And this is what we got. Hi, Steve. Well, I've come to my local branch of mattresses, beds and pillows just to see the huge range of mattresses, beds and pillows that you can buy these days to get the most from your nighttime activities, which for many of you will mean sleeping. But it's a little known fact that sleeping was actually invented in the UK in 1916. After pressure from farmers' unions, whose members were struggling to milk cows, harvest crops and shear their sheep in the dark, the British government commissioned a think tank to come up with a solution. They formed the National Organisation for the Development of Overnight Farmers Funding, or the NODOFF, who started a series of working parties, experiments and focus groups, and they eventually came up with the invention of sleep. Many people have since forgotten the difficult times before 1916 when all we had to occupy ourselves through long winter nights was alcohol, singing, or if you were really desperate, talking to your spouse. And sadly for them, the Netflix box set was years away from being invented. Seems a bit strange to invent them that way round, really, doesn't it? I don't know why they didn't think about that at the time. Anyway, back to you, Steve, in the studio. Excuse me, could you tell me if you sell pyjamas? I've got no idea where he got that lot from, but why let the truth get in the way of a good story, eh? And what next? Well, after all, it's obvious that the sleeping bag must have been invented by Daniel Defoe. He's an idiot. Hi Steve, well I'm here at the British Museum, just about to settle down in my sleeping bag at one of their overnight sleepover events. Now not many people know that before writing such books as Robinson Crusoe, Mole Flanders and the Harry Potter series, author Daniel Defoe came up with the original design in 1695 for what we now call the sleeping bag. Back in the late 17th century, rich and poor alike would rest wearily each afternoon on a bale of hay or servants whilst reflecting on the day's affairs. Defoe was convinced that this could be done more comfortably, so, inspired by watching a butterfly emerge from a chrysalis, he worked on a human-sized version which he called the papillon sack. It's not clear why he gave up on the idea. One suggestion was that he became increasingly frustrated with finding a way to keep his beautifully coloured and intricately designed wings strapped to his chest, 
wings, which he eventually lost in the Great Storm of 1703. Close friend Robert Harley said that the wings weren't the problem, but that it was the combination of an eight-foot leather proboscis and a poor gag reflex which led to Defoe giving up on his life's dream and settling for the consolation prize of writing Robinson Crusoe. Any trip to your local camping store today shows the huge variety on offer of different kinds of sleeping bag and serves as a reminder as to how Defoe so narrowly missed out on being the household name that he could have been. What a shame. Back to you in the studio, Steve. £246. That was his expenses bill just for that one recording. And when it came to the Sandman, if you want a great demonstration of how if you look hard enough on the internet for anything, you'll find it, here it is. Open brackets, WTF, close brackets. Funnily enough, Steve, the character known as the Sandman has strong links with the subject of sleep. I've come to PC World to find out more, where the manager has kindly allowed me to use their computers to look it up on Wikipedia. It says here, Traditionally, the Sandman is a character in many children's stories and books. In Scandinavian folklore, he is said to sprinkle sand or dust on or into the eyes of the child at night to bring on dreams and sleep. Open brackets, number one, close brackets. The grit or sleep in one's eyes upon waking is supposed to be the result of the Sandman's work the previous night. It goes on to say that in his later career, the Sandman learned to play the drums, moved to California, and in 1981 posted a newspaper ad asking if anyone wanted to join his band. Sadly, no one replied. And so the Sandman gave up on his dreams of starting a band, changed his name to Dave, and was last seen in the late 90s, drunk, in a bar, claiming that he invented heavy metal music. A sad end to that once popular Scandinavian character. Back to you, Steve. Excuse me, do you sell those video cassettes? You know the ones where you can put a small one from your camcorder into the lung? Okay, so now we're at episode 23, and in this episode, we're covering the subject of productivity. And this is important because you could argue that the productivity area is an area that many parts of the podcast link to. You might remember if you've listened to it, we've argued before that the word productivity isn't a particularly good word, but it is one that people use. So we thought a nice approach would be to do some work in the studio on the practical productivity tips, and at the same time, have him debunk the perceived link between productivity and motivation, specifically motivational phrases. You know, the things that people post on social media, which sound great, but don't always stand up to scrutiny. Like, just be more positive, or the world is your oyster, you know, that kind of stuff. We thought that if we try to understand where these phrases come from, we might learn why they might not be helpful. Unfortunately, what he sent was not helpful. And you can see why I'm getting annoyed now. I painstakingly reviewed 152 productivity tips to find out which ones most often make the top 10 across a range of websites, and Steve in the field was asked to find out where the phrase there's no I in team came from. 
This week, I've been trying to find out where some well-known productivity and motivational phrases have come from. To be honest, time is a bit tight, so I've had to rush it, but I think I've got it right. I'm in the car at the moment. Steve in the studio, could you put a soundtrack onto this to make it sound a bit more like I'm in a port, please? Thanks. Okay, listeners, picture the scene. It's December 1773, and we're in Boston Harbour. The Sons of Liberty are about to board three ships carrying tea, and plan to throw the consignment overboard, which will lead to the coercive acts of 1774, pushing the two sides closer to war. But the year before, in 1772, under less dramatic circumstances, the ship Maypole has arrived at port to deliver its consignment of tea tobacco and sugar. The stevedores, huh, what a great name, sorry, the stevedores take to the ship and start to take inventory, counting the chests, each one labelled with consecutive letters of the alphabet, A through D, E through H, I through, hang on a minute, where's I? The cry goes up, a consignment is missing, there's no I. No I, comes a reply, in tobacco, sugar, no, there's no I in tea. And that's where the phrase was born. There's no I in tea. Oh, hang on a minute, it's meant to be team, isn't it? Uh, sorry, Steve, I'll get back to you on this one. I'm working meticulously, cross-checking the most popular tips, removing duplications, grading their numbers of appearances against each other, and all he's got to do is find out where the phrase when the going gets tough comes from. You may have heard the highly motivational phrase, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. But what you may not know is that this staple of sales presentations around the world was actually created by a singer called Billy Ocean. Now, Billy was a writer who made a living producing hilarious car bumper stickers. You know, like, don't follow me, I'm lost too, or if you can see this, I've lost my caravan. In 1985, after a particularly successful time, following his creation of Honk If You're Horny, Billy was stuck. He'd come up with a setup for a new sticker, When The Going Gets Tough, but he just couldn't finish it. When the going gets tough, he kept saying. Come on, Billy, when the going gets tough. Come on, Billy, get going. Oh, wait a minute. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. And the phrase was born. Too good for a bumper sticker, thought Billy. I know, I'll work with three other people, turn this into a hit record, get it featured in a film called The Jewel of the Nile, and then maybe Boyzone will record a cover version of it in the UK, he thought to himself. And so he did just that. And even today, 30 years later, Billy still takes his song around the world and sings it to inspire other people. People who need to learn how to overcome difficult situations, but who don't have the imagination to turn them into songs. What a great story. I wish someone could inspire me by writing a song about my biggest problems, being a young man in a new town, feeling unhappy, trying to find somewhere that I can get myself clean, have a good meal, hang out with all the boys. So at this point, I've distilled the tips, I've put them into a spreadsheet, I've ensured I've counted them correctly and ratified my results, and Steve in the field 
thinks this is acceptable. Never put off until tomorrow what you can do today. It sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? Until you think about it. Never put off until tomorrow what you can do today. Never put off until tomorrow what you can do today. Actually, no, even when you think about it, it does still sound like a good idea. I'm going to do my research on this one tomorrow. Now, by now, I've had enough. I've decided to stop asking for contributions. We're just going to have to find another way. But did he stop? No chance. The thing was, we'd already told him what the subjects were going to be for the next few episodes. So his reports that just kept turning up. And here's the weird thing. By now, his contributions are so bad that bizarrely, they illustrate the benefit of the subject that we're covering. He does such a good job of demonstrating what happens when you do the opposite of what we're talking about, that they actually help. Here's what I mean. If you want to know why most people delude themselves when they think about the effect of a positive attitude, here you go. Hi Steve, well I'm here at Goodwood Racecourse and I've decided to put £200 to win on a horse called Thatcher's Homeopathic Website. It's at 15 to 1 and I'm going to see if I can will it to win just by being positive. Okay and they're off and it's looking good. Obviously no point sending my positive brainwaves too early. I don't want it to peak too soon. It's running nicely, it's looking strong. It's third at the moment behind Acid Reflux and Alderniti's Armchair Warzone. Come on Thatcher, come on Thatcher. It's moved into second, right, here we go. Come on Thatcher, you can do it. I'm sending my positive vibes faster, faster. I'm imagining you winning. I can see you smiling as you rush past the post. Nearly there, oh my God, he's doing it. He's gonna win, he's out in front. There's only 200 yards to go. I don't even need to think him there anymore. What? Why has he stopped? He's being passed by them all now. Thatcher's homeopathic website is just standing there eating the grass. His jockey's even got off. The other horses are all coming in. Oh, I've lost my money. Oh, hang on. I know what happened. I stopped thinking positively because I didn't need to anymore. Yeah, that's it. The minute I stopped thinking positively and believing, he stopped running. And there's your proof, Steve, in the studio. Positive thinking does work, but only when you do it all the time and it doesn't apply to situations where you didn't do it anymore. Conclusive proof, over to you. Excuse me, can I borrow a fiver please for the bus home? Or if you want to know about how to use checklists well, here's an example of what happens when you don't. Hi Steve. It's Steve in the field here. As you know, I'm quite into photography and I'm often out and about with my camera bag and my gear. Today, I'm out in the forest in Hampshire. It's an early morning and I'm looking for that perfect sunrise picture. I'm being really quiet because there's loads of wildlife around and often you see deer or badgers and all sorts here early in the morning. Now, I know you love checklists, Steve, in the studio, but I am better than you, and I don't need checklists. You see, I always keep my camera gear bag packed, ready, so at a moment's notice, I can just grab it and go. Oh, hang on a minute. What's that? Oh, what an amazing sight. A family of deer are just walking across in the distance. 
and they're right against the glowing sunrise. Hang on, Steve, I've got to get this. I think I'll use the, the 600mm telephoto. Let's just grab my camera body. Swap the lenses over. Manual, I think, because of the sun. I might go for... might bracket the exposure, so I'll have to take a few shots. OK, perfect composition. And just squeeze the shutter button. Oh, hang on. What's this? No storage space. What? Oh, damn, my SD card's full. Quick, what can I delete? Um, no, not that one. No, I can't delete any of these either. I've not downloaded them yet. Oh, quick, quick, they're walking off. Let me go back a few. No, that's my sister's baby. She'll kill me if I delete that one. Okay, all right, here's some test shots of a street scene. I'm not going to use them, right? Delete, delete, delete. Yeah, that's rubbish. I'm going to need a few spaces so I can bracket the exposure. Delete, delete. Right, okay, here we go. Right, let's compose. Oh, they've gone. Oh, it's too late. They've walked off. So there we go. If his contributions carry on being that bad, they might actually work. I don't have to like it, though. You tell me. Shall we carry on using him, or shall we not? If you're not sure, we haven't quite finished. Remember that we talked about why you shouldn't do New Year's resolutions, and how he illustrates the opposite of what we talk about? We got this today. Hi Steve, it's Steve in the field here. Well, I'm here in the car and I've got a bit of time to myself, so I thought I'd record a helpful piece for you and your podcast. I'd imagine you're probably doing an episode on the importance of having New Year's resolutions, and I know that you'll be really interested in what mine are. I'm sure you'll want to use them in the show. So, my first one is, next year I'm going to spend more time on social media. Social media is the future, Steve, and you've got to embrace it. I'm aiming to ensure that I don't miss a single post next year by anyone that I'm connected to. You never know, there might be something useful in there. My second one is, don't worry about habits, you can't change them. They'll get you anyway, so don't fight your bad habits, learn to embrace them. They give you character. And what's the downside to putting a few pounds on anyway? And whoever got themselves into trouble after a few too many drinks? Not me. My third one is spend less time on myself. Because I've got to work hard, Steve. You've got to get more done. And this brings me on to number four. Work out how to get by on less sleep. Then you can get even more done. Imagine how many podcasts you could record if you did them at four o'clock in the morning. Have you never heard the phrase, sleep is for wimps? Number five is forget routines. Variety is the spice of life. What does it matter if you oversleep or you don't get everything done? You can just work into the night. Your family will be there tomorrow or the next day, probably. Number six is I'm going to use apps less and my head more. After all, Steve, they didn't have apps in the Stone Age, did they? And how much use is an app when you're being stalked by a saber-toothed tiger? Mind you, they didn't have emails or text messages then. But your head is there to remember things. Right now, hang on, are we on number seven or number eight? Number eight, have loads of goals. Surely, the more you've got, the more you're likely to hit one of them. The more the merrier, I reckon. And if you make them easy, then you'll smash them. 
Number nine is next year, I'm not going to worry about meditating or what's going on in my head. Work and productivity are the only things to remember. And you won't have much in life if you don't work, will you? Number 10 is ditch the checklists. I keep saying, Steve, the brain is a fantastic instrument and we should use it more. It's the best thing out there to remember things. So there you go, Steve, in the studio. We don't need all that stuff that you talk about. Our heads don't need tricks and techniques to support them. you just got to work harder and improve your memory. Anyway, I've got to go now because um, the roadside assistance people have arrived because, well, it's a bit embarrassing, really. I forgot to put oil in the car and it looks like it's seized up. But I'm sure the recovery people will get me going. I bet they don't have checklists. And who needs a car anyway? All you need in life is a positive attitude. Hello, mate. You're right. Yeah, I've been here for a few hours. Have you got a heater in your vehicle? It's a bit cold. Okay, just bear with me, because I think one of my hands has actually frozen to the steering wheel. Well, there you go. Make your own mind up. Shall we keep him or shall we not? All I can say is, watch out. He's coming to a window near you, and when you hear these words, please, let me back in the house. Run for your life. Well, that's the end of episode 31, and this is our final episode before the holiday season and the New Year's celebrations begin. I hope you found Sharp useful, helpful, and that we've given you something that you can take away and really use to help you get better at the stuff you have to do so you can spend more time doing the things you want to do. Hopefully, you'll spend a load of time doing more of the things that you want to do over the holiday season. Don't forget to re-listen to the Sharper New Year series as you go into next year and begin your plans for a Sharper New You. We'll be there for you next year, kicking off at some point again in January. But in the meantime, dip into the archives, have a fantastic break, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the other side. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.